we're gathered here today to celebrate and mourn the life of Karnak, the Inhuman, whose podcast, unfortunately, was lost to us in a series of unfortunate events. It's somewhere in the ether. If you meditate hard enough, it might come to you, or it could just be your hallucinations. So we just wanted to take this moment to say a few words about Karnak. Karnak was a simple inhuman who only dreamed of staring at rocks and digging latrines. He first came to us in 1965 in a Fantastic Number 45, or Fantastic Four number issue, the Fantastic Four issue number 45. Since then, he's gone on a number of adventures that I can't even name or recall, but thankfully, a man named Warren Ellis gave us the latest telling of one of Karnak's many adventures, as well as Gerardo Zafino and Roland Boshi and Dan Brown helping fill in the pictures so we could really see what Karnak goes through on a day-to-day basis. This was the flaunt all things with Karnak simply just spreading his philosophy and teaching us that nothing really matters. And everything has flaws. Everything does have flaws. It was a beautiful adventure told wonderfully by his autobiographer, Warren Ellis. And we just wanted to make sure we said a few things about Karnak before we move on. We have another service we have to attend to, uh, another another death going on. Uh, Roman was unable to make it to this session, but... It's not his death, I promise. It's not Roman's death, but he did want to say a few words. Unfortunately, he was unable to make it. Uh, he just wanted to let everybody know that there is no flaw in Karnak. The flaw in all things was an excellent original portrayal of Karnak, whenever, whoever, who never had much of a personality before beyond being the quite philosophical guy on the team. Now he's quite interesting, though not likable. At the end of the book, we get a surprising look at, perhaps, the flaw in himself that Karnak, like most of us, denies. Great story. 10 out of 10. And with that, we hope that Karnak lives in all of our hearts and minds and, and bookshelves. And come down to the comic book store and get your copy of it so you can witness firsthand the flaw in all things. And so you will know Karnak's name. <coughs> all right, let's wrap it up so we can talk about Death of the Family. I know, let's get spooked. So, Colton, I'm under the impression that there was some spooky deaths happening. Um, this, was your, this was your pick for this month. It was a New 52 run... Uh, by Scott Snyder mm-hmm. and Greg Capullo, the dynamic duo. So this is this is your baby. This is actually the first uh, Joker, or this is the first Batman story with Joker that I read in comics, mm-hmm. like physically. So this was really really good to reread again. Well, I actually uh, I have a special relationship with this comic as well because I think it was probably the first Joker story I read. But I remember a couple of years ago. Uh, when this first came out in trade paperback, I wrote a review about it, and that was before I started reading comics, because I started, you and I both started when Rebirth uh, began, and it's actually what really piqued my interest when I read the review about it, and I saw all the crazy stuff that was happening in it. Yeah. So this is actually kind of like one of the first books that got hooks into me to start, you know, joining that cult of comics. Super spooky run. Um, yeah, and then from what, I mean, we've understood... And just talking with uh, people here and there about the New 52 run, it wasn't super well-received by a lot of people. But you and I came to kind of agree that the New 52 Batman run 
Well, it's, the Ninja Two Batman run, if you just do a Google search of it, is considered by most people to be the number one run of the New Fifty Two. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's amazing. I I think my general trend I saw in the New Fifty Two was that they all had really, at least the ones I've read. And there are a lot that I haven't, but they had really interesting, compelling beginnings, and then they didn't. They would have shifts in creative teams, and they would sort of fizzle out and like lose the thing that made them like really yeah. enticing in the beginning. Like mm-hmm. like a lot of them, like last two or three trade paperbacks that you read are kind of uh, what what what's going on now? What were you thinking? Yeah, but this was uh, this was the third volume of the New Fifty Two Batman run, and basically, so this was the first time Joker shows up in the New Fifty Two, right? Kind of. Um, so with Batman comics, there's usually two comics going on at once. Uh, there's the Batman single comic with. That's just his name. And then he has Detective Comics. So prior to the death in the family, there are, I think, two or three issues in Detective Comics that uh, are kind of a prologue to this story. Uh, So this story begins with the Joker going and retrieving his uh, face from the police. So those first issues in the Detective Comics Mm -hmm. uh, are showing that the Joker gets his face removed by another new villain that never been introduced before named Dollmaker who surgically removes it, and then uh, they like hang it up in the police department or in the jail cell, and the, mm. Jake, the Joker escapes, and nobody knows what happens to him. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah, he cuts off his face. Um, I know. How metal. Well, since this is your, this is, this was your pick, you take us through. Tell us, tell us what happened. Tell us, tell us the death of this family. All right, so we start with a discussion between... Uh, Harvey Bullock and uh, what's his name, Commissioner Gordon, and they're talking about how there's all this sort of weird stuff happening this one week in Gotham. There's a flood that makes a river run backwards, and there's a lion cub that's born with two heads. And they kind of take an almost like biblical approach to this, where they say that these are omens and yeah. that they should know that something bad's going to be happening. And apparently, the people of Gotham City are so superstitious that they're going to blame the police for not uh, recognizing these omens as bad things about to happen. So they're talking about that, and uh, but they're like, oh, nothing's going on, so, you know, something bad is going to happen, but we don't know what's happening. So then uh, we go to the police station where uh, Commissioner Gordon goes in and Harvey Bullock sort of pieces out to maybe go drink, maybe not. Uh, it's kind of talked about a little bit later. And all's good in the well-lit, safe, community, family-friendly Gotham City Police Department. Or is it? So uh, Commissioner Gordon's uh, helping out one of his feather, uh, fellow uh, co-workers. And he's uh, looking at this counterfeit uh, bill. And all of a sudden, the power goes out. And Gordon, being the dad and good leader he is, he says everything's all right. But then he looks across the way at an incredibly spooky figure in this darkened joy doorway and he says no not you and then it just goes completely dark shit gets real <laughs> and uh what happens is the go- the joker has invaded the gotham city police department and he's cut all the power and he is just running around telling the beginning of jokes yeah, it looks like he just wants to tell people a funny joke he, he does and they, and they can't handle it uh and so it's really great because there's actually very little uh Showing a lot of the panels, it's just like completely blacked out. But you get these Joker dialogue boxes with uh, those sound effects, and so he's just going around and killing officers while tormenting uh, James Gordon. And 
eventually he uh, gets really close uh, to James, and he tells him that he actually hasn't been on hiatus for a year, that he's been uh, just skulking around and hiding, and that he's actually been some nights hiding underneath uh, James' bed while he's been sleeping, and that he was just biting at the bit to like reach up and kill him, but he didn't want to because he wanted to save it for a special occasion. So James uh, freaks out, and he shoots a couple bullets, and uh, the lights come on, and he actually shot at Batman, but Batman's like, we chill. And he says, and Batman's like, where's the Joker? And he's gone. And James is surrounded by a whole slew of dead cops. Yeah, it basically just kind of kills the whole police force right there. I feel like I would not want to be a police officer in Gotham. <laughs> yeah, the freaking turnover rate is insane. <laughs> you know what, though? If you ever need a job, you... You probably don't have to pass a drug test. You don't have to be a good person. You'll get in. Yeah. I mean, you're... I mean, yeah, the expectancy of that job is very little. Yeah, the, I mean, f- like, four pages in, and it just already kicks off with just super, like, murder. I When I think about this comic, I, it is a Batman comic, but it really feels to me like if the Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> saw, like, had a crossover with Batman... Batman. Um, so what we find out is the reason why the Joker came back. He didn't just come to tell jokes and, you know, leave the audience dead, but he's actually taking his face back. And you see a really spooky outline of where his face was because apparently it leaves stains. Yeah, it's rotten in there. There's actually some, like, really interesting uh, comments in the uh, Detective Comics where they were saying that, like, his cut-off face actually, like, exuded poison and, like, was causing people to hallucinate and, like, hear voices and, like, hear him talking to them. That's interesting. Yeah. They, uh... Oh, well, that kind of reminds me... Like, that makes me totally think of, uh... The old T-Titan show where... With Robin, Slade? Yeah. yeah, where Robin goes to, like, the storage box and, like, gets sprayed by Slade's gas and he starts hallucinating Slade. That's pretty good. Well, I... I, I could see that being, like, a thing with like, chemical, the amount of chemicals that he fell into and stuff. Like, he's got to leave some residue. Well, I think it also kind of ties in with the discussion in the eighth, seventh volume of Detective, or of uh, Batman, the Endgame, where there's discussion of the Joker potentially being a supernatural force mm-hmm. more than just a person who fell into a vat of acid. Yeah. Uh, so we get back to the Batcave, and uh, Batman is you know, not happy that the Joker's back. And he said that he was really optimistic that he was going to finally be gone. And he's analyzing all the poisons. Uh, It's usually the Joker, like the Riddler, likes to kind of create a sort of puzzle for Batman to unravel. And a lot of those are associated with his poisons. And so uh, we got also like a really spooky image of (laughs) Joker on the computer screen that Batman's just staring into. And... uh, they really highlight here that Batman and Alfred, and I think by proxy, that the Joker is a villain that they fear mm-hmm. and that they don't necessarily have that same feeling towards the other villains. Yeah, he's kind of a beast of his own. So we get a little recap here uh, in the same scene where uh, Damian Wayne comes and Damian says, you know, the Joker, no big deal. He's just a, He's just a funny man that we can take him, and he's like, yeah, he's just an idiot. Like, he just got his face cut off by Dollmaker. And then uh, Batman, to more highlight Batman's thoughts about the Joker, he says, no, like, the Joker does everything intentionally, and that he is not somebody that should be tried to take, be taken down. Mm-hmm. So then we have uh, Batman telling the rest of the fam that uh, the Joker's in town, 
and then he tells them not to worry, basically, that he's going to take care of it. They all have their own busy lives and that uh, they shouldn't be worried, but just be wary that the Joker's back in town. Let's see here. Boo. Uh, and then there is a police or there is a newscast, and what we see is a man who is dressed up like the Joker, but not the Joker. And he is giving a message to Gotham and to Batman. Uh, and he's just proclaiming that he's back. And he, when he's telling a story, his hands are moving like really crazy, like and, like punching him. And what actually is, it's the Joker is behind him and sort of just like playing a game, making the guy give a message. Yeah, like the first time I saw it, like I thought it was spooky seeing his teeth in the bottom left panel. Mm -hmm. But like if I look back at the other panels, you can see his eye peering out through a couple of them. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And uh, in this uh, little newscast that he gives, he says that he's going to kill the mayor. And at the very end of it, uh, he puts a gun to his head and shoots the man. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, what they do is they scan the man's face and run it through a facial recognition program, and they find out that the man is actually the son of the original victim of the Joker that we know of. It was like the first victim? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. So, uh, Batman wants to go protect the mayor, and so he goes to the mayor's office, and the mayor already ha- is there, and he has, like, a, like 30, 40 cops protecting him because, you know, they need to rep- they have just cops all around in Gotham just dripping with cops. They're just like, this is our first day on the job. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, oh, boy, I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. Yeah, so, I, I thought I would have to wait forever to get into the police, <laughs> cat- get into the police force. <laughs> just streamlined right in. <laughs> so... Uh, James is like, all right, I'm going to leave, you know, this whole army of cops here with you, Mayor. So he goes to the elevator, and he peeks up. And do you know that this is, like, a thing that's, like, shown up in other comics where, like, James and Batman are just like, oh, you're just in the elevator shaft? Just so... Or they're just like, they just have, like, a sixth sense for each other? Yeah. I feel like it, since they've worked together for so long, he kind of must have, like, a familiarity with, like, Batman's presence... He's always around. Around or not around kind of thing. Because there's lots of other times where, I mean, even in, like, the movies where he kind of, like, starts talking and, like, turns around and Batman's there. thing. He just knows. They've got... Their friendship is so strong. You smell the cologne, the bat scent. (laughs) So uh, he goes in the elevator and he's like, evening. And Batman has, like, a whole little setup in the elevator shaft, which I really love that... Uh, he's just been like spying on the mayor and he has like these like little catches yeah uh, around places just to like just in case because you know Bruce is a paranoid m- megalomaniac he is <laughs> so uh, Batman tells James that the everything's clean like there's no poison around that you know everything's good and that the mayor should be safe and then uh, James is uh, talking to Batman and at one point when the Joker is making his original attack on the police station, he mentions that Batman will uh, talk to him that Batman has his uh, calling card. And Batman is like, I don't know what you're talking about, James. Like, you know, the Joker's crazy. And he, like, tries to play it off, but he doesn't. He really avoids the question. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Batman is thinking a lot about uh, how scared the Joker is and how fearful he is and, like, his attack on the station 
and then he has this realization that uh, the Joker is reenacting original crimes or some of his classic hits from early on in his career with but Batman. A, but it's a remix. But with a twist, he's putting that J.J. Abrams touch. He's giving you what you love, but making it you know new for a friendly audience with plenty of lens flare. <laughs> but in this case, plenty limbs, of death. Plenty of death and limbs flay. <laughs> limbs flay. <laughs> so Batman rushes off, and there's just this panel. I don't know what you don't really see Batman interacting with citizens that much. Uh-huh. So like seeing like a cop like being held by Batman while he's dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just like something like, weirdly powerful about it that like oh, yeah. he immediately like Batman's so trusted that like the officers just run or like please help us. Yeah. And sadly, all the officers die. And what we find out is that they were actually the target of Joker's attack. Mm-hmm. And that uh, the mayor made a statement about how the cops are going to ruin his freshly shampooed carpet. And what the Joker did was he actually put a chemical compound into uh, the carpet cleaner. And that there was like a substance on like the cop's shoes Mm -hmm. that interacted with the uh, chemical in the carpet cleaner that then made a poison in the air. And that the uh, mayor, I think Batman gave him an like an anti poison. Pumped him a bunch with a bunch of antidotes. Yeah. So, so like he was immune. And we see more of a toll on James since he already saw so many of his other cops' friends die. I mean, yeah, there's like another seven or eight, twelve. I don't know. I lost. It's like another thirty here. <laughs> I think. I think at this point they say there's like twelve dead or something. I'm like, I, I feel like there's a little more than that. Because if you like look back at like the first image where he like talks about not getting. Shampoo, like the freshly shampooed. There's two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, fourteen. There's like twenty cops plus the security guards there. Like they're just cops are dying left and right. There's some real red shirts in the Gotham <laughs> Police Department. Join Gotham Academy where you were all issued a red shirt. So then uh, Batman has this like really cool like chemical scanner needle thing in his like gauntlet. And he uh, pokes one of their faces, and he runs a chemical like scan or uh, examination of what the Joker put in them. Something I like about like the New Fifty Two, especially with this one, is it reminds me a lot of the like Arkham Arkham games. That because like they have like the tech based like gauntlets and all that mm-hmm. stuff in that, and like you don't see the, the this kind of tech that much in Rebirth, honestly. No, you don't. It's where you got like the hollow gauntlet, like pulling up image displays and everything else. I feel like in Rebirth, uh, Tom King, he writes Batman more like a person who is a hero. He's person first, and like mm. the stories are very character driven. And Scott Snyder is more Batman is a he's a hero. He has he's a good fighter. He's like a detective. Like that, those things are more emphasized, mm-hmm. uh, or they're more the driving force. Yeah, is like you know Tom King. He's like. He likes his love, Batman, and and Papa Bats. Papa Bats. <laughs> so uh, he scans it, and based on the chemical compounds in it, uh, Batman determines that he needs to go to the Ace Chemical Plant. And the Ace Chemical Plant um, is where Batman has an encounter with the Red Hood. Jason? Uh, <laughs> not that Red Hood. Uh, so the Red Hood is a character, or is a mantle in Gotham that's given to that usually is taken by a criminal. Uh, and it's gone to a bunch of different people, but the original, the OG Red Hood, is believed to have been the Joker. And in some Batman mythos, uh, in the Killing Joke, 
In particular, it's stated that the Joker comes to be because he gets accidentally knocked into a vat of a chemical at Ace Chemical mm-hmm. by Batman on accident. And then that's what bleaches his skin and gives him his beautiful green locks and sunny disposition towards life. <laughs> so uh, Batman goes over there, and he's calling out, and then he sees a person dressed up in the Red Hood outfit. Jason? Who, not Jason Todd, the third, second Robin who gets killed and brought back to life and takes over the Red Hood mantle. Uh, <laughs> gets killed by the Joker. Uh, so what we see here is the person who's supposed to be the Joker Red Hood, uh, and the dialogue is in the same Joker font, so we're believing that's being stated to him in the Joker's voice. And it is telling him, telling Batman that uh, the reason why he cut off his face was because he was trying to send a message about not being shallow. Mm-hmm. The Joker telling us to dig deep, get past surface uh, impressions, and uh, that he wanted to bring Batman back to the place where their romance all began trying to rekindle that spark where like joker first saw him and like little hearts were floating around batman i don't don't know if little hearts were floating out around yet like i think you know they were just meeting each other it was like first awkward date and yeah the joker hadn't you know he hadn't gotten that chemical peel yet no he hadn't so uh, batman goes running at this red hood figure and uh he is being he's running across this big uh walkway that's hanging in the air and a big comedically sized hammer which i'm so surprised that batman hadn't seen I know. uh hit some where do you hide side. that thing where you can't see it under that big red hood <laughs> <laughs> uh it hits him and it knocks him into a uh, big metal cooking pot uh same like set that at low heat and come back a couple hours you'll have <laughs> a good bat soup <laughs> good bat stew yeah and uh, it gets closed up and uh batman's like you're not you're not joker you just look like Joker. And uh, what we find out is that uh, the person underneath the red hood, it's not Jason Todd, even though the movie will tell you that under the red hood it is Jason <laughs> Todd. Uh, it's actually Harley Quinn. And there was a recording going on through the red hood. So it's actually Joker's voice. And uh, I love this uh, part because, yeah, when the reveal happens, you see Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn take off the take off the hood. But then when it zooms back in on her again, you see all of her makeup's running and she's talking about how like it's not the same Joker anymore. It's like it's worse. It's way worse. Twenty eighteen Joker. <laughs> which yeah, which um, which gets to like the like the biggest page that I associate with this with this book that sums up the Joker uh, is where you cut to that where you cut to Alfred at the manor and he hears like something on the door and you see that like two little two cute little two headed lion cat. You thing. know what? I actually do think it's kind of cute. Yeah, like if it was like well taken care of, I think it would be Alfred, a fine little creature. Little love and then Joker saying, "There's my little guy. I've been looking everywhere." And then the final page, a full page, just scene of Joker coming at Alfred with a hammer, <laughs> with the most disturbed face going on. I it is, it is terrifying. <laughs> I, like, I'm a big fan of horror films, yeah. so I know that for some people, this Joker that they were a fan of, that was a really big departure from uh-huh. previous versions of the Joker. I personally loved it, because I want my Joker to be extreme as possible. Horror, yeah, he's like super crazy, super horrifying. Like, this, it, isn't, this isn't like a stand-up comedian Joker. He is deranged as much as you can imagine. I, I love my Mark Hamill Joker as much as the next person from the Batman animated series, but 
comic wise Joker. Yeah, this, this is this is the best Joker. And then this Joker would cut that Joker in half with the chainsaw and then like bathe in the blood. Well, now we just gotta. I mean, side sidetrack real quick. But now we just gotta wait for that big Joker event to finally come through. Uh, the, the, the trio of Jokers. Where there's three Jokers running around that you find out at the end of New 52 going into DC Rebirth. So I really want to see this Joker show up in, with the other two Jokers in a room and see what happens. I mean, I'm imagining, like, you know, the War of Jokes and Riddles? It's just yeah. the War of Jokes and Jokes and Jokes. <laughs> war of Jokes, Anti-Jokes, and just not even Jokes. It's yeah. just murder. <laughs> <laughs> three Stooges. <laughs> murder. Bopping each other on the head. I also, the artwork when they draw this Joker, it's just... The line work on it, I feel like, is so intense. Yeah. Like, he, like, from his dialogue boxes to, like, the coloring, everything, like, he's just, like, amplified. Yeah, super, like, super hyped up. I love that through this whole thing, too, basically, is that he's wearing, like, a maintenance guy's outfit named Joe. Joker. <laughs> and he's got a, he's got a, his, like, worker's belt on with some hammers and some tools. He's trying to represent working class America. Economic <laughs> stress. <laughs> Oh. concerned <laughs> and then i mean like it just furthers the dark like the dark tones of this comic with uh this like flashback of harley quinn running into him again oh yeah that was really messed up so um we see the joker attacking alfred and we don't know what happens there I th- is this the first time we actually really get a good look at him at his face yeah, yeah. it is because before we kind of just see him like creeping in the dark and this is like that's why it's like it makes such a big impact is the first time you see it finally after like 20 or 30 pages and you just get this big full page spread of just like what you've like were like it's just the the anticipation and like the horror like mm-hmm. like a suspense kind of thing like a thriller movie and like you finally see the killer kind of thing it's just terrifying especially with like this face like pulled against his like his torn face like weared around him like it looks like pins are holding it against him and like a big like strap Rubber around bands. the back yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Awful. He just needs to get some Gorilla Goo on there. And then the eyes, too. Like yeah, The eyes do, are different colors. Yeah, the, like one's like a really like just piercing white, and then you got the green eye kind of thing. It's super weird, super cool. So we get to, uh, we go back to a flashback with Harley Quinn where she gets reunited with the Joker. Uh, do you know anything about New 52 Harley Quinn? Because I feel like her, like... When I see pictures of her, it seems like she's also like very Joker esque, New Fifty Two Joker. In that the fact that she's very, like, she's very sexualized, but she's also like more psychotic appearing and like more violent. Whereas like her current rebirth, like reiteration, is like more like the '90s, like comical Harley Quinn. I don't. Yeah, I don't know too much about it. Like, I mean, I know the outfit was very more like sexualized in New Fifty Two, mm-hmm. um, but I don't. And I know she was on the Suicide Squad then, but I don't really know too much about it because i mean you well you read all detective comics and batman volumes right she wasn't in, she was just i think other than this she's basically all uh suicide, suicide squad. squad yeah so, so i don't know too much but this doesn't make her seem like that joker-esque like psychotic and stuff like she definitely I, I, has like this kind of comprehension of like what's too much well I, I don't mean like that in the fact that like her being like a violent sociopath i mean her just being like every part of her traits being like really amplified. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, I didn't read any of the New Fifty Two Suicide Squad, so mm. I'm not like really sure. But like, because this is so this is the only thing I can go based off of. And mm. I mean, clearly she she's not enjoy- having a good time. She's not having a good time at all. So uh, the Joker comes back, and 
she uh, is talking to him, and he tells her that she needs to take her clothes off, which made me very uncomfortable. Mm. And so she uh, strips down, and the Joker throws uh, a bunch of clothes at her, which uh, pad and make her appear to have the same physical characteristics of the Joker. And that uh, he tells her, and they have like platform shoes, so she's the same height, so the idea is to create that illusion. When she's playing that red, red Hood part in the Ace Chemical Plant, that she is the Joker. And so... Uh, no, she's Red Hood. Yeah, sorry. The Red Hood Joker. Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Comics. Uh, so... Uh, she's like, all right, are we all done with this uh, extreme makeover? And then he's like, no, I'm going to cut your face off. Yeah. And then, which, again, very uncomfortable. And she stands up to him, but she's very meek about it. Yeah. And she says, I don't want this. And he's like, it's going to be, like, really awful. And he's so terrible to her. Yeah. She asks, uh, will you still think I'm beautiful? And he says, I never thought you were beautiful. And it's just really For those of you that icky. wanted to see all those you know, reshoots of Jared Leto's Joker and Harley Quinn and Suicide Squad to know how abusive their relationship is. This is a real good, it's a real good example. Oh God, I absolutely hate, like, I think I like their character dynamic, but I hate when I see like memes or anything that's like glorifying their relationship. Like it's like this like healthy thing that should be strive for. I'm like, uh, no, no. You, that just shows how little you know if you think that their relationship should be like viewed through like a rosy lens. Because it's yeah. not good. Speaking of rosy lens, he puts a rosy lens on her. I am. So, <laughs> when he, um, he when does, he sh- sh- shunks her. Yeah, he, 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 put, he puts a hat on her, puts the red hood, and then he's like, all right, get to work. And uh, so we get a... And no, we don't get back to it, but she just says that he's not the Joker yeah. that she remembers. Yeah. I love on the, the beginning of... Uh, what one is this? Number three? Volume three? Mm-hmm. Or issue three or whatever. I like... Uh, Greg Capullo, it's like like drawings of Batman where he's just all black and the only things that show are like the eye, like the white of the eyes and the teeth. Mm-hmm. I love that like kind of shadow that he casts kind of thing. Looks really I, cool. Greg Capullo, I also the like colorist in this. Mm-hmm. I think they do such an amazing job like throughout like all the new Fifty Two run. Oh yeah, because I think a lot of people don't consider Batman to have like be a really vivid comic or like mm. a very vivid character of black and white always at night but like in uh, zero year in this book in Endgame, like they always make sure to add like really bright vivid colors that like just make everything really pop and have yeah. this great contrast with the dark rather than just having it be like it's like whole gloom experience the whole time mm-hmm. so uh yeah we're back uh at the ace chemical plant and batman is in the tank and he's and Harley Quinn is pumping in the same chemical that Joker uh, supposedly fell in when he was Red Hood. And uh, Harley Quinn is walking away, leaving Batman to get bat souped, Campbell bat soup. And uh, <laughs> Batman uh, <laughs> uh, throws on a mask and he like tips it over and like bursts open the uh, big soup pot he's in and it pours out and i really like that like the images of like the chemical just like burning off of him he also has this really great little monologue while he's in the chemical where he talks about how he will when he like on rainy days or like when he can't sleep which you know batman never can sleep uh where he'll analyze the chemical that joker fell into 
and that he knows the chemical compounds that are in it by heart. Mm -hmm. But what he's trying to do is he's trying to determine what in here could make somebody so evil. So it's just him trying to rationalize the Joker. Joker. Yeah. Yeah, I love... That was something I loved about this whole thing is his, like, him trying to, like, understand the Joker and who he is as a person. Yeah, crazy. Uh, I love this next page because we talked about J.J. Abrams, and as soon as the lens flare, the the Batmobile coming into the cave is... So flary. Um, so we get back in the cave, and I like how all of them have logos that yeah. like they have saved in the back computer. So who's the? Do you think the globe is supposed to be Alfred? I think it's Batman Incorporated because Batman Incorporated's having it at the same time. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I'm surprised then there wasn't really anything brought up of them during this, except I've, the fact that he mentions Batman Incorporated, but does there's no like showing of them or appearance of them. I think that. In it, they talk about how Batman has this like ability to kind of read, although he can't understand the Joker, he has a sense of his like intentions mm-hmm. and it has kind of a read on him. And that I think Batman Incorporated doesn't have the strong emotional attachment or connection to Bruce that the members of the family do individually, so that they wouldn't be priority targets for him. Mm-hmm. So uh, Batman sends out a signal to uh, Batfam and Bat Incorporated. And he says that the Joker may be targeting them as individuals rather than uh, before when he would target them through Bruce, where, like, if they were with him, like, he would target them. But this time he's, like, individually seeking them out. Yeah. And when he gets back there, uh, he's sort of talking and he's uh, giving a little update about what happened at Ace Chemical Plant and he's telling it to Alfred. But then he looks around and he doesn't see Alfred. And so he starts going through the house and... Not a real good butler. No, he's not. Just leaving the house without a note. How rude. Yeah. And he's going through the house, and you just see him getting, like, more and more anxious. Mm -hmm. And eventually, he finds a box, a little tiny box that has purple uh, tissue paper wrapped around it with uh, green ribbon. And so he unfurls it, and he uh, there's a little cassette in it, and he puts it in a player. And in it, uh, the Joker leaves a message that says that uh, the Joker kidnapped Alfred because he's setting up a special uh, celebration for Batman and that he needed a good butler and that uh, he'll take good care of him and then you know, I'll be good. And then he laughs and laughs and Batman gets really upset and punches the cassette player. So then we go and we see a uh, scene with James Gordon sitting on his bed and I, I don't know why it's like a really understated panel, but there's something really just telling about this panel. I think part of it was like the big empty bed mm-hmm. that the idea of like the Joker being underneath there. You can see pictures of like Barbara in the background. And I think I see a lot of like, there was a lot of thought put into the background of this comic. Yeah. And so uh, Batman comes in there and uh, James Gordon is like really paranoid. And, you know, I think he, rightfully is with how many cops he's seen around him die and his past experience in the killing joke story which is canon mm-hmm. uh with the joker because uh, in the killing joke uh, batgirl gets paralyzed by the joker after he invades his home and shoots her and uh, kidnaps james gordon so uh james comes in there and he's talking with batman and he explains about uh the kidnapping of alfred and that uh, the reason why is most likely having to do with uh, his association with Batman Incorporated, and that uh, he knows him because of Bruce's 
connection to Batman through the Batman corporate story. And then Batman and James have a discussion about uh, the Joker not having a rational logic compared to the other villains. That the other villains, although they do have psychosis, they are there is motive to be discerned once you sort of peel back the layers. But the Joker doesn't have that, which is what makes him so dangerous. And then Batman tells him that on the cassette that gave the message about Alfred, that uh, his name Gordon is on it. So he mm-hmm. believes that the Joker is targeting him because there is no uh, audio uh, technology supplier by the name of Gordon. And then uh, they're, they're still talking, and then uh, and they're kind of reminiscing, and then all of a sudden uh, James is just bleeding everywhere. It looks like he has Ebola. Yeah, I was super confused about what happened here. I was really confused, too, actually. I'm not sure, like, at what point he was poisoned. I think I was under the impression when this happened, because, yeah, you just, like, see Batman talking to him, and all of a sudden he's... Jim kind of trails off, and you see blood coming out of his finger. And then, yeah, a giant one page of him, like, clutching out of Batman, bleeding everywhere. I figured it was something similar to how the mayor, how, like, the carpet shampooed. There was some kind of chemical agent. Maybe it was whatever was in Jim's house that he normally has I think mixed with, been, like, him touching the cassette tape. I think it would have been really interesting if it was, like, uh, like his cigarettes were poisoned. Oh. He talked about, like, how, like him hiding the cigarettes and how uh, that the Joker had found his last like, hidden stash of cigarettes. Yeah. But, yeah, so he gets poisoned through whatever means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they, 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 I don't really remember see them explaining that anywhere. No, me neither. But, you know, Joker's a sneaky guy, so we know he did it. So, uh, was that the end of the issue, or was that just, like, a little break in the issue? I think that was a break in the issue. But they do say that Joker used a, th- a thinner. Oh, yeah, blood there. Of a heparin. Which is rough stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Nightwing. <laughs> and uh, so Nightwing is like, "Hey, Bruce!" Like, uh, no, not Bruce, Batman. They, they sorry, they talk. Yeah. They talk in code names in here. All right, yeah. So they get in a big fight where like Nightwing's like, "Please stop talking in uh, code names, Batman." Bruce. Uh, Bruce Man. Yeah, and then uh, Bruce is like, uh, "I'm having like a really rough time right now, so this is like me trying to compartmentalize." And Nightwing tells Bruce, he says, this seems like it's very personal, like he knows who you are. And Batman says, no, you don't, you don't understand the Joker like I do, and tells him the same thing about uh, Alfred being targeted mm-hmm. as an extension of Batman, who is helping finance Batman Incorporated as a cover to the fact that Batman is Bruce Wayne. And then Batman reorientates that he doesn't want to tell the fam that the Joker is uh, being as active as he is because he's afraid their emotions will make them more vulnerable to him. But uh, what we kind of see more is that Batman doesn't maybe necessarily want to let the fam know because he doesn't want to let him know about his own mistakes in the past. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and Batman says, please, like, be careful and, like, you know, try to get out if you can. So then... Uh, through analysis of chemicals again, we find out that uh, Batman or that the Joker is going to reenact a poisoning of a water reservoir, which is something that he did uh, early on in one of his first case with a twist again. So Batman is riding out uh, to the Joker at the water reservoir on the Bat Cycle, which is really cool looking. It looks very Tron. And uh, it looks like a spaceship almost. <laughs> where's, where's the bats? 
like yeah, all this like fancy futuristic tech that he's got in New Fifty Two is very interesting. So uh, he's going and again going with the theme of like Batman having all, all this really great self reflection. He's uh, talking about how he would always talk to Alfred before he would like go in these missions and how it's just like eerily quiet in his headset and that he really likes having that like reassurance before battle with Alfred. So he gets to the water reservoir and they're on this big, really dramatic bridge and uh, the Joker is standing on the other side of it. And Once the, again, like another, like I love that space throughout like this whole volume that there's these big giant one page panels that kind of feel very monumental for each spec spot. So when mm-hmm. Joker first makes the appearance, um, on Alfred where he like jumps him, the one where Jin Gordon is bleeding and looks like he's about to die. And then now this big one, like this reun this reuniting of uh, Batman and the Joker. Yeah, where he said at like the at one of like the first things that they had an encounter on, this aqueduct. And then yeah, his like like the only thing that Joker says is hello darling. And in this, um, this is kind of starting to hint that the Joker is doing this not because he hates Batman, but because in his own highly pathological way, he actually thinks that this is a positive thing to do towards him. And so uh, he is uh, talking to Batman, and he has a big, uh, he has a big remote in his hand, and he looks really gross. And these like all three panels on this page, he's just cheesing hard, cheesing hard, like, like. Like late, like, like just he's like really happy eyed. to see him. It looks like his brain's poking out from above the skin flaps. <laughs> just gross. Got some summer teeth, summer here, summer there. So you got flaps of skin just dangling off the mask like that's already tearing. So uh, he's telling him that uh, he just wants to talk to Batman. He just wants to catch up, and that you know they don't have to do like all this foreplay of like you know going through the heroics, mm-hmm. and that he's already taken care of it. You know, it's done. And so uh, what happens is he tells Batman that he was planning that Batman would blow the aqueduct to protect the poison from getting out. So Joker presses the button and he blows up the aqueduct that Nightwing was at preparing to blow mm-hmm. up. And that uh, what happened is no matter what B- Batman would have done, the poison from the reservoir would have hit this certain little community and killed those people there. And so then the Joker said, yeah, so I saved some time and I just went and killed them. Yeah. My, myself. And there's this panel, which when I think about the story, this is actually one of the ones that I remember, where it's just there's this big pile, not pile, but like a bunch of these floating bodies in this water. Yeah. And there's like, I don't know, there's like something like really weirdly beautiful about it. It's just like, it's like very like watercolor paint and like you don't like really see them. Yeah. Uh, it's like bright, like there's a ring around him. I think that's if you like a little bit earlier. It's talking about Batman throwing a batarang. Uh-huh. Uh, if you look on the page, left page, he has a batarang behind his back, mm-hmm. and it's like there's a circle around it. So I think it's like showing like Batman's like what he's looking at, the focus. Okay. So it's to, like so you can actually see like what they're talking about. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And so uh, Batman is like n- very upset about this, and he calls him a sick maniac, and he goes to punch him. And then the Joker punches this button, and these teeth, jo- <laughs> these Joker teeth, pop out of the water. That's like, I don't know, like sixty feet down. That have these like wire around them. <laughs> Somehow magically <laughs> tie Batman. Yeah, they, they tie up all around him and like bite, and they restrain him. And it actually looks really cool. They did but look it's really like, cool. <laughs> like, I would have loved to have been the writing room on that one. They're gonna be like, uh, and then uh, he he presses a button, and these 
choker teeth fly by some De- unknown means. Deploy, yeah, they just and deploy wrap out. around him. Yeah, I love how he's talking. I love how he's talking with Batman here, and then this like half page or like three quarters page panel of just this really beautiful shot of like a geyser of water like shooting up with all black and it's like glowing white as like Joker's exclaiming that he knows who Batman is. Is that like, is it a speaker system? Is it sounds like, like it's like so loud that like it's being like projected everywhere. No, I think, well, I think he's, or is that like the explosion from like the, like aqueduct? Like we're not like, I think Nightwing it was, I think it might be the aqueduct. It was either that or my other assumption was that it was just like this, like huge, like crazy reveal is that Joker does know who it is, and it's like the it's just dramatic effect of this water like shooting up in the background as he's like saying this. Do you think that this like, might go more into that whole idea that the Joker is supernatural? That like this like giant em- moment of emotional like outburst that like it caused a force to make this water explosion happen? Yeah, I could be. So, uh, what happens is. Uh, the Joker, when he's all tied up, they're talking. Uh, Batman's trying to, like, yell at him. And the Joker's like, shh, 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 shh. I, I, I want to say something to you. And he's talking about how the Joker feels that he fulfills a role for Batman mm-hmm. and that Gotham is his kingdom. And this is something that will be brought up a lot more. And that as the court gesture, it's his job to keep Batman happy but to also, like, deliver bad news and to, like, keep making Batman stronger. And that he feels that uh, Batman's become weak. I think in this, he actually states, I, I don't know if it's in that exact page, but he actually mentions that he was there. Yeah, it's on the next page. He mentions that he w- was there during the Court of Owls scenario. Yeah. And that he, that ba- the past Batman would have been able to take care of everything without the family. Mm-hmm. And because he needed the family, that's what made, that's what's making him weaker. And that he's actually targeting uh the family members because he thinks that they're making Batman weak. And he also tells them that he has been able to access the Batcave. <clears throat> and Batman says, no, you're lying. And uh, Joker then says that he's going to kill all the members of the Bat family in less than three days. Yeah. There's a big proclamation. And the fact that he's got like this little notebook that he says he's been like writing everything down off of that he made from like the skin of a bat. Uh, skin, maybe a skin of a bat from the cave. Yeah. So the proclamation, and then you've got like this cut to another popular Batman villain, the Penguin. And this actually ties in a lot, um, everything here with the Penguin, with the Detective comic story, because the Penguin was the main villain mm-hmm. of the first uh, couple of uh, trade paperbacks of the Detective comic storyline. Oh, okay. So that's, I think that's like, why it's like so explicitly talked about. Okay. Uh, so the Penguin shows up to this church, and... There's this horrific scene where there's all these mobsters' bodies who are uh, hands are tied in a prayer position, and uh, the Joker kills uh, two of the men who are accompanying Penguin with a sharpened uh, umbrella, and uh, the Joker tells him that you can basically help me out, and I'll take the blame for all these people dying. If not, I'm going to make it look like you're the one who killed all these people, and I'm going to start a gang war that's going to like target you and make you on everybody's the top of everybody's shit list in Gotham. Yeah, that's crazy that he was able to pull that off. And like, yeah, he uses uh, Penguin's umbrella, and he talks about how fun it is to kill someone with an umbrella. 
with a little bit of stylistic flair. Uh, and so the penguin's like, hey, Ogilvy or whatever his name is, like my second in command, like you're going to be like running the ship and I'm going to go hang out with the Joker. And then uh, we get a cutaway to the next uh, comic. And in the next comic, we get this really, this is also another one of the pages I think about when uh, I think of the best images from this run. Mm-hmm. And it is just an image of the Joker's incredibly spooky face in darkness. Oh, yeah. And it's Batman is, again, having his analysis of the Joker. And he's talking about how he has ability to perceive intent from people's eyes that, based on eye movement and pupil uh, constriction, he can tell, or expansion, he can tell what people are feeling or thinking to, like, a limited extent. And that... All people do this except for the Joker. That his eyes are always just completely constricted. And they're these little black holes, and the Batman is, is trying to almost console himself and tell, say, the Joker's just a man. Yeah. Like I can take him. Like he's nothing beyond what uh, like the limits of a person. Yeah, just a man that fell in some chemicals is what he says. It's like it's like yeah, it's like a, he's like telling himself over and over again to like, like. Ref- reaffirm that to himself mm-hmm. to, to like not lose his shit because like yeah joker's just i mean getting the best of him this whole run right now and at the very uh, end of it he says that the joker's eyes do change at one point and that they do have a little expansion that is associated with motion but the batman can't, he almost can't believe it because the expansion is with emotional love yeah he just loves batman he does he's batman's biggest yeah, fan. He's the biggest bat fan so uh, we get back to the scene with at the reservoir. Uh, it's all Batman's all hung up in the little teeth, and they're still talking back and forth. And to keep on with the love, Batman says something insulting to Joker, and he says, "That's the spirit. I so love it when you talk dirty to me." <laughs> so the police show up. Uh, more cool lighting, especially like the coloring with like the police lights. Yeah. And uh, there's like helicopters and everything all around. And they're telling the Joker to surrender. And then the Joker, uh, on a walkie-talkie, tells some men uh, to light him up. And so in some trees from far away, uh, they start shooting rockets, and they hit the police. So the police are out of commission. Oh, yeah, they're, like, wearing gimp masks, too. These people find them, like, little sad gimp masks. A little zipper, a little zipper mouth, and it's a frown. Oh, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Yeah, so super sad. Look at him. Look at how sad he is. Aw. And the little zippers look like little teardrops, too, off they the do, edge. They do. Uh, so Batman uh, takes off his gloves. He takes the gloves off, and he uh, breaks out of his teeth binds, and he attacks the Joker and then punches him and knocks his knocks his face off a little bit. Skin face off. <laughs> his yeah, like nasty <laughs> skin God, face. So gross. And... Uh, he picks him up and he is trying to find out where Alfred is. And so the Joker's face is just all off kilter and disgusting. And uh, he tells him that he needs Alfred, you know, for his, his party and that he uh, can't be captured because then his celebration wouldn't work out. So he kicks Batman in his face, hi-ya, and jumps. Is he, does he kick him? And then he just, he knocks Batman into water and he... Uh, escapes so go to the scene where batman is waking up presumably from being knocked out by the joker and he's surrounded by the fam and everybody's like yeah so, something i had a question on like to this thing is when did his gloves come off 
he took them. He gets the toxin on on his bare skin, but how do they, why do they come off? Because I see he, he takes them off because uh, the binding is like attached to it, I think, like with the teeth, and so he takes them off to like help loosen himself to get mm. to get free. Okay. So uh, Bruce wakes up after the reservoir scene, and the whole fam's there. Everybody's happy, and they're like, "We caught the Joker. We're all good." And then all of a sudden, uh, Alfred's called, and he looks like the spooky Joker, and he brings out an axe. And he's got the face. He's got. He's wearing the face. That face, Brotherhood, the traveling Joker face. Yeah, gross. <laughs> yeah, it's so gross. Uh, and so Batman wakes up, and it was a nightmare. And the the whole fam is there, and they're in the cave, and they're all in their battle armor, and they're talking to the Joker, and they were able to hear that the Joker claimed to have known who they were. So they're all talking and they're like, Hey Bruce, what the fuck is going on? And, uh, Bruce begins to tell the story that during one of his first encounters with the Joker, like the one from the movie too, right? From like the one with, uh, Michael Keaton or in Vicki Vale, the nineties Batman. Oh yeah. With the blimp. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, they go back to this original story where the Joker has this blimp full of Joker gas that he's going to blow up to release it over the city. Uh, and Batman's fighting him over the water. And so Batman knocks him off of the blimp and he is able to crash the blimp safely to make sure nobody gets poisoned. And he then rides in the bat boat back to the bat cave. And, uh, when he gets back to the Batcave, he uh, goes out, you know, takes some self-care time, and then goes back to the cave to do some more analysis of his encounter with the Joker. And in the water floating next to the Batboat is a Joker card. And he... And this... Did they ever explain that big Joker card before? Or is this like a retcon thing? I feel like this This is the first time I've known about the, the Joker card thing. So what... Uh, if you ever look around the Batcave and any images, there are certain things that are always there. A giant penny, a T-Rex, and a giant Joker card. And what Batman says is that the giant Joker card in his Batcave is actually a memorial to the Joker card they found floating, that he found floating, before he had any of his sidekicks and everybody. And it almost seems like it's like a reminder to him, like, be vigilant, like the Joker's around, like the North remembers. Then... Uh, what he says to the family is that when he was in the water looking for the Joker uh, in the bat boat, that the Joker must have like somehow been around and that he slapped on the card with a water-soluble adhesive. Mm -hmm. And that there's no way the Joker could have made it to the cave, that the Joker would have had to hold on to the bat boat for like five miles underwater at like really high speeds. And that if he got like partway into the cave system, like it would be such a labyrinth that he wouldn't be able to get in. And that there's no way he got to the cave and was able to like access their records. Because it is if he was able to get into the cave and deduce that Batman was Bruce Wayne, then he would know who all of they all of them were by proxy, or that he could potentially get into the cave in the future. And everybody is really pissed off that Batman did not tell them this. But he says, like, no, you guys, it's okay. Like it's like, you know, the cave's secure. He doesn't know who you are. But a lot of them uh, have a lot of reservations about this. Mm -hmm. So then, let's see here. We get Batman. He, he basically dismisses the family, says, like, go do your own thing. You're going to be good. Like, be safe. And Batman uh, tracked down one of the gimps 
who were shooting rockets, and he busts in there, uh, and he, in like during family dinner, he busts in, probably traumatizing all of them. I spent a lot of time on this panel when he is identifying one of the minions that was working for the Joker, and he gets the name. He's like Dylan McDyer, forty-five years old, widowed, four children, and then like there's the panel of the guy with his family in the room, but I'm like, okay, I count five people besides McDyer in this. Four of them have to be children. Who is this last one? I'm not a Batman detective. I couldn't figure it out, but I, I thought about it for a long time. I was like, who is this other person? And did you have like magnifying glass and everything like that? Like, yeah. I was like comic facial oh, recognition I was, I was scanning? Like, oh, is Dylan McDyer getting back on the horse? Like, oh. I know. She's, she's blonde, too. None of those kids are blonde. Well, that's a dad. She says dad. Oh, well. That's a child. Oh, that's gross. I'm You're gross. gross. Yeah. That's gross. gross. Joker, though. So Batman busts in. And he grabs Guy by the collar and is like, uh, I know who you are. I know, I know where you were. What's up? And the guy is like, the Joker has been like stalking me, and he has been and he threatened to kill my entire family. And he's at Arkham Asylum. Oh, yeah. You find out, well, this guy works at Arkham, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and he's basically got all the people. Joker basically has everybody at Arkham working for him. And it's, uh, it's, he has them so that they're not paying attention to the specific part of the asylum. Mm-hmm. And this is actually something that they talk about in the Detective Comic, too. Like, really? the Joker working on this. And the guy's talking about, like, the, the sounds and sights that they're hearing uh, in this one particular section of uh, Arkham Asylum. And mm-hmm. that they hear screams, and they hear, like, bodies thumping, and, like, that the laughter, that the Joker's always laughing. So we know it's probably not going to be good in there. And so uh, Batman goes there, and then he enters into a very saw-like gauntlet of, like, pure horror. And uh, he gets in there, and before he gets in to the asylum, while he's, like, entering the gate, uh, you see him processing that the Joker is, again, human, that he has human flaws, he has human weaknesses, and he's nothing that can't be handled. And that's where he brings up the idea of, like, seeing into the Joker's eyes that the one emotion that he does register from the Joker is love kind of thing. So, yeah, he's in this gauntlet, and then, like, while he's going in there, you see the Joker's kind of rounding up some of the other villains. So he gets uh, convinces Riddler to come with him to be part of something very special that he's been planning for a while. As he's like having police carry horses and he, he down the halls, he basically forces the brother to join him. So it's not like this kumbaya with the villains. Yeah. It's that the Joker is corralling them into joining him for yeah. his celebration. He's yeah, he's forcing them into it, and then he gets to then it goes like every time I think like it can't get weirder and more disturbed, it goes into this like three by three panel of. Like what looks like the Joker and Batman having a waltz, this very like tearful Batman with Joker lips like right up against him, and this very like romantic but creepy like Joker talking to him like don't like loosen up a bit, don't get distracted, like dancing, and yeah, you see all the guards and these people dressed as Joker and the Batman in these cells forced to dance. It's and just they, and they have bare feet. Terrifying. And- and uh, what we find out is that they have this, they're locked in there, and they've been dancing for days, and their uh, feet are in water, and that they stop dancing, they will be electrocuted to death. Yeah, it's just, every time I think that the whole Joker, like, obsession with Batman and, like, love of Batman can't get any more weird, <laughs> it just keeps getting weird. <laughs> well, it really reminds me of the uh, classic image of uh, 
that Crazy Love cover with Harley Quinn and Joker. Oh, yeah. With them dancing. I think he's like wearing the same outfit. Oh, yeah. That could be. You don't get like a really solid look at it, though, for, like close up, like mm. only from like a distance and like pieces of it. But yeah, it could definitely be that. So uh, the little barriers to these guards uh, who are dressed Batman Joker dancing, there's a wire mesh fence and a glass. So what Batman does is he uses EMP pulse that knocks out the glass, and then he throws in these freaking amazing little, like, sham wows. He basically, <laughs> he basically has it planned out. I mean, he's got the tools to deal with everything. And, I mean, yeah, Joker compliments on him on that. Like, he's not, like, he's, anything that Joker throws, now he's, like, back at, like, countering everything that he does. Like, not only punches. And then you get... The gauntlet continues with a flaming horse signifying a, an army of riot-geared prisoners mm-hmm. going to fight him. And Batman just, he, he beats him up. Beats the crap out of him and somehow ends up on a horse. I, that's like the saddest looking horse, it's right? It's just not happy. It's that just horse whatever. Is, yeah, so he's on the horse. and Oh, I forgot about this like disturbing stuff that happens next. So he is riding and he comes upon this I think best describe. I think this might be the most horrific thing in the whole comic. I feel like this is something straight out of uh, your Hannibal show you love watching. You know what? They actually have like a giant like body thing, like tapestry this, thing. Yeah. yeah, I didn't realize too because I thought it was like dead bodies that were like flayed and like skinned. But no, they literally when he was saying, "Oh, they're better alive," like they literally were alive because at the end they're like saying, "Hail the Bat King! Hail the Bat King!" Like so messed up. So there's probably so there's this giant hanging structure made out of bodies. That's there's probably at least forty bodies there, and on their backs are these different images that depict historic moments in the Batman Joker history. One of them is the Joker fish, where the Joker kills a bunch of like poisons a bunch of fish, and they have these really cute little cartoon smile faces. Uh, we see uh, Jason Todd, uh, the body being held by Batman, mm-hmm. and uh, Batman's looking over it and he's disgusted by it. And what we find out is that yeah, those bodies aren't dead; they're actually people who've been stitched together by Dollmaker, the same villain that cut off Joker's face. And they all start saying "Hail the King." Yeah, uh, messed up. And Batman, he knows he's on a time limit, uh, and so he doesn't take them down or anything like that he's just going to go try to take down the joker yeah, he he literally the gauntlet literally is he's taken on like a bunch of villains i mean this is equivalent to like the ala bane yeah the bane <laughs> mr freeze shows up kicks and his ass kills the like, horse like freezes the horse's head and like crushes it yeah so sad, sad. That, you know that was a sad horse Clayface wrecked uh scarecrow wrecked. punched <laughs> yeah just fing like finger punch he just got like uh I got like, all his teeth knocked out. All his teeth knocked out. Well, like, I took like putting a cork in him, basically. He's kind of like, just <laughs> please shut the fuck yeah, up. Get out of here. And this two page of then you finally show up at Batman at Batman's throne with Joker wearing a Jester's hat, uh, people dressed up as the Justice League, and then you've got Riddler, Penguin, and Two Face dressed up, kind of thing. In like in court attire. I I, I was wondering, so. The Joker makes a statement about how he wasn't able to get all of his things prepared for. The Batman deduced that Joker wasn't able to complete what he wanted to. Uh-huh. Do you think that the Joker intended to get the members of the Justice League, like the actual members, and that he didn't have the time, so that's why he got these like pseudo people? I think so. But like at the same time, too, I think that would have been harder because 
Like this whole like uh, gotta, electric he, chainsaw thing. You can't do that to Superman. You can't do that to Wonder Woman. You can't do that to Aquaman. It's comics. He can make like some sort of magic electric chainsaw. Well, I mean, he did do a point where he like turned them all into Joker Justice League. <sighs> that was so cool. Uh, all right, but that, that's a future story we'll probably mm-hmm. do. So uh, we get to this court scene. Uh, so there's a big bat throne. There's these uh, villains who are dressed up and these uh, people dressed up like the Justice League and a chainsaw in a rock. Like an Excalibur reference, reference basically, mm-hmm. and that, and the Joker says, "Hey, welcome! Like yeah. we're all here for you." Yeah, this whole like worship thing and trying to make Batman a better person, like how each villain serves a purpose to him. Uh, also, I like how his like skin face thing has been like gotten more like more rotting. It's rotting. like discolored, and there's flies everywhere. Yeah, gross looking. Yeah, it's terrifying to look at. It just keeps getting grosser and grosser. And so Batman can, he's, the door to the room is cracked, so he's able to see in, like, an armin, but it's barricaded, so he can't actually get fully in the room. And the Joker tells Superman to go up and try to pull the chainsaw out of the uh, stump or the rock, and he says that if he lives, he'll let him go, and that the electrical current's going off and on, so if he times it just right, he'll be fine. So Superman goes up, or, yeah not Superman, Superman, goes up and he uh, grabs it and it kills him. Instantly. And then he starts trying to push the Wonder Woman up, who is married, by the way. I don't know if you saw the little ring that she had on her finger. Yeah. All those like nice little subtle touches. So uh, he starts pushing her forward and uh, Batman's like telling him, please don't. And uh, he, the Joker... Uh, when Batman gets into the room, the Joker drops this giant metal fence between himself and Batman. And he's telling him that he's going to make the Wonder Woman die uh, and like pull the chainsaw. Uh, and Batman throws in a batarang and severs the wire to the electric chainsaw. So we're, we're safe there. And then what we find out is that the Joker has kidnapped all the members of the Bat family. And we get these like little screenshots uh, on this big uh, TV screen of all the Batman family members uh, on the ground defeated. And this is actually a giant crossover event where if you go and read the other new 52 runs, they all have an issue or two of where they're individually uh, combating the Joker and being captured by him. Yeah. And I think all of them, like all of them, are called "Death of the Family," which is really great because um, they have the final issue of this in them, and you get that issue of them being captured. And then you, they did a really good job about showing that this event was actually really traumatic to them, and that they actually had to really process it and overcome what happened to them, mm-hmm. which also leads into the whole like notion of the, how terrible the Joker is. That like all of them fight villains day to day, but like he is the one that they had to basically like process their PTSD from. Yeah. Uh, so Batman is really, really upset, obviously, that all of his favorite people and his son have been kidnapped. And he's basically being forced to sit in an electric chair. So uh, the uh, Batman gets in this electric chair, and he gets very painfully shocked. Like, his mouth is frothing, and his nose is bleeding. And all the villains uh, who are there are like, uh, can we kill him? Like, he's right here. Easy. And uh, Two-Face... It's like, we can just flip a coin, shoot him in the head, shoot him in the gut. And the Joker says, no, like, I'm better than all of you. Like, you're not worthy of killing him or, like, fighting him. 
and that you're nothing compared to what I am. And he traps the villains. Yeah, and, and he like also humiliates them. Yeah, he, individually. He, just he, he knocked out the Riddler, uh, and makes Joe makes Two Face feel like he's nothing, mm-hmm. and then brings up the whole like uh, blackmail on Penguin again about mm-hmm. the gangs. Yeah, super like yeah, just without really caring much or having like like an MO or anything, he's able to like come up like do these plans on a whim and then just tear down everybody around him without even like a challenge. So then uh, we, this is the issue that's in all of them. This one. Yeah. And so uh, we, do you own this one? The, the death of the family Joker, like with all these one shots of like the, no, because I own all the ones I own all the new 52 runs for all the bat family. So Uh I don't need to, because I can just read them in those. Mm. Mm hmm. Okay. Okay. So uh, we get this opening, this three three by three grid where there's this like spooky little bat skeleton flying, and the um, Joker's again reinforcing that he cut off his face to get to the the meat of the issue and the mm-hmm. bones about what's going on with their relationship. So the lights get turned on, and we see uh, they're in a cave system underground. Uh, the entire Bat family is all around a giant table with masks over their heads and these silver trays with domes over them. And then there's that cute little two, two-head little cat on the table. I like how he has like this little puppet bat on his fingers. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of fly imagery showing up now mm-hmm. He's, throughout the comic. His uh, face, it's uh, not doing too well. No. It's gooing up. <laughs> so uh, Batman ex- or Joker explains to Batman that uh, this is like the grand finale that, you know, he's going to take out the Bat family and that way they can have their everlasting dance together and that Batman knows deep down that he loves the Joker and that he loves what they were and that he actually hates the family for making him weak and that uh, he has it set up where there's gasoline everywhere and if Batman is to get up from his throne, an uh, electric chair, that it will ignite the room and all of them will burn to death. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he, they're still talking, and uh, Batman is like, where's Alfred? Because Alfred isn't seated at the table. And all of a sudden, this incredibly spookified <laughs> Alfred, Alfred just shows up. Uh, yeah, shows up, bald, not his best look. and Jokerified, which I'm going to talk about later once we get done, because I, I have an issue with this. I actually have an issue with it, too. So we'll talk I, about we, our issues later. We might have later. the same one. All right. Okay. So uh, what happens is the spookified Alfred uh, comes out, and he pulls he on. Helps, he's helping serve dinner. He is. <laughs> that dinner. Uh, he pulls on this cord that all of the hoods are attached to, and it lifts them up. And Batman looks around, and all of the family, they have these bandages over their face. And, bloodied. And they're bloody. And the Joker says that um, he worked really hard to get this dinner together and that he made it with love. And when you open up the trays, it's the cutoff faces of the (laughs) the entire Bat family. So So everybody's face is cut off in front of them. So messed up. And so everybody's freaking out, as they should be. (laughs) And uh, they're uh, talking. Let's see here. Boo-boo. And Joker's still going on about how uh, Batman, like, if he really wanted also, to, he could kill him. Well, also, I don't know if you noticed the imagery, too, with when it shows the faces on ice and all these trays and stuff, 
like the paneling of it, it is a heart is a heart <laughs> as he's like cuddling this two two headed cat line <laughs> saying I've made this with love so much love <laughs> uh and so the Joker is going on this big uh, monologue about how Batman could kill a Joker whenever he could do it, and nobody would have to know. Like it wouldn't like be an honorable thing. But the reason why he doesn't is because he likes entertainment. And so uh, he's keeps going on about how he wants to kill all of them, and how uh, the Batman deep down loves the Joker more than he loves any of the family members. Mm-hmm. And then he brings out his little little. Bat book. Oh yeah, the uh, bat book. And w- that, and he talks more about how uh, he had all the information all along, and that he's ready to end it, and he's gonna light him, light them all up. And so he lights a match, and you get these really great panels of like the fear in all of their like eyes. And Batman gets up to attack the Joker, and all of them light up. And so uh, Batman gets out of that. And he tells the Joker that he knows Gotham so well that he knows that they're underneath um, a water source. And he throws this, well, I'm assuming it's a grenade, Yeah. up, and all of a sudden this water comes down and douses the whole family. And this is the first time when the Joker is seen really not having a good time. He says, that's not funny, like that the Batman yeah, has, now he's, has now ruined he's really his plan. pissed off, yeah. And uh, Batman goes to Damien first, which I'm sure... You know, the rest of the Bat fam gets, like, you know, it's his act- it's his bio son. And so he goes up to him, and he takes the bandages off his face, and Damien says, uh, is it is it bad? I can take it. And his face is completely fine. And yeah, it, they're all fine. It was actually just a really awful joke. <laughs> it's really fucking bad joke. And uh, we see a little image where when this is happening, the big face reveal is the Joker's running off into the cave system. And Nightwing, Batman tells them, he's like, I'm not leaving you. And then they're like, please just go get him. For once, <laughs> for once, we actually agree with you. Leave us alone. Like, go, go get it. Deal with this. And so, uh, and then they, then they're like, oh, look at this little cute cat. Let's adopt it. And, this little glowing head. And then a little foom sound effect, and they all get uh, Joker gassed. And now they're all and there's a bomb crazy fighting that they kind of like the phone bomb from uh, the Dark Knight. Oh, that's been sewn into my insides hurt real bad. <laughs> I don't feel so good, Mister <laughs> Trevor. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> We didn't announce spoilers for this podcast. <laughs> so uh, there's a little glowing pimple in the two-faced little sad cat. Oh. And it blows up awful. And the little bomb had a Joker uh, poison in it Yeah, that they all inhale. And uh, it, they get that twisted smile on their face. And they're, they all start punching each other. Something I didn't realize, like, as Batman's chasing him down and Joker shows up to attack him, I didn't notice this axe that he had is in the shape oh, of a it bat. it is. You're right. God. God, he is the biggest Bat fan. Yes. Jeez. Uh, so, yeah, so we've got this fight of him going up against the Joker, and his, like, skin mask is just getting knocked around. Uh, oh, man. And, and, then, yeah. and the Joker is... Uh, really pissed off in this. Yeah, he's he getting keep, more and more mad. He keeps bringing up these, like, he's like, uh, like, oh, we have so much fun together, and Batman's like, no. And, like, he keeps trying to bring up this discussion about how, like, they were good, like, in the past together, and he's like, no, I have something better than you now. And uh, <clears throat> the Joker is, like, getting really, really upset. We actually see him, like, frown, I think, for the first time yeah. in the whole comic yep. uh, near the end. Uh, and we get a little cutaway to the family. They're all fighting. 
uh, and Batman saying, "I," the Joker says that they're going to tear each other apart and that, like your whole family is going to die. And Batman says, no, I trust them. I believe in them. And uh, let's see. Uh, Joker squirts some acid in his face and they get to the this really overdramatic edge of this giant waterfall. Yeah. And uh, the family uh, has another little quick cut to them and it shows them laughing with dialogue boxes, but they keep having little things where it shows that they're still in somewhat control. They're trying to resist the Joker poison, yeah. Uh, So the Joker is hanging off of the cliff and uh, he keeps saying, like, I... I hung onto the boat. I got into the cave, and Batman's like, "No, you didn't. I know you didn't. Like you're a liar." And the Batman tells Joker that uh, he knows who he is, and that he knows his motivations. He knows everything about the Joker. That there's like no mystery there anymore. And this really, really upsets the Joker, and he joy buzzers his face and falls off the cliff. Off to like yeah, fall to his death kind of thing. You get the dramatic like face falling and falling down. And his face finally fell off. His finally, face finally fell off. Batman picks up the little bat notebook, which is empty, and then you get a scene of, like, yeah, his family did pull through. They're all kind of, like, laughing and holding each other. I, there's, like, something, like, weirdly, like, so heartwarming about that panel. Like, the yeah. Batman, like, poisoned, like, out of their minds, but, like, they, like, love and trust each other so much that, like, they've resisted, and, like, they're, like, kind of, like, cuddling each other and, like, holding each other Com- through They're comforting it. each other, yeah. yeah because I, I, like, I feel at the same time, like you were saying, like, they had to like that PTSD and like cope through it. I think this is them like being there for each other. Like I feel like they're probably like Batman. Um, as you get to the next page, Batman's trying to get in touch with all of them. He wants to have a family meeting and they all kind of bail on him, mm-hmm. but he, I'm sure like they're there for each other, but right now they kind of want that space from Batman because they feel like he lied to them. He divided them and made them vulnerable to the Joker. Yeah. And, uh, Batman is talking to a Alfred who looked We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. A very uh, normal-looking Alfred, and he says that uh, the reason why he knows Joker didn't know he was Bruce Wayne wasn't that he didn't have the capacity not to figure it out or maybe not to even, like, get into the cave, but that the Joker just didn't care. Sure. Yeah. He was all about the fun of, like, playing with Batman. He wanted that role play. Yeah, he did. He he was really about staying a character, and that at one point uh, Batman had gone as Bruce Wayne, as himself, uh, to Arkham Asylum, and he had uh, gotten the ability to talk to the Joker one-on-one by scheming, mm-hmm. and that he'd showed him the card, and that the Joker had, like, no recognition or, like, showed, like, no expression. that He just didn't care. Disinterested, yeah. So uh, everybody bails, and then uh, Batman is processing uh, a poison there is a chemical. It's like a radioactive, like chemical. Yeah, there's like, like, it's like trace that was like an extra thrown in chemical that was in the poison used in the Bat Family, and the name of it, uh, the old classic chemical name for it was HA. So it says Ha, and it just keeps zooming in more and more on the like Ha a, a with fly, the fly, just watching it. Yeah, and then it ends. So real quick before before we give like our review of this and all that. So my issue with this the Jokerized Bat Family and stuff was the fact that he was able to cure it because they even said it was like a specially strong concoction, mm-hmm. yet somehow he couldn't cure, like he already had a base cure to work off, but he couldn't cure like Duke's family in mm-hmm. the Inner New 52 or other people. But Naya, Naya's an extra, extra special. Oh, that, that, that's, that's the end game. So like, we'll, we'll not talk about that. Yeah. I think my problem was that like Alfred was just like so okay. Yeah. Like he looks, 
he looks worse off than any of them. And then, and yeah, then he's just like, okay. The most fine. Yeah, but I think this is, I mean, as far as Joker stories go, I haven't read Endgame. In, I've only read Endgame once, but I've read this one multiple times. It's just so, this was a great Joker. Like, really, really crazy and, like, upped, up the amount of insanity that he is, which makes me like him more than, I mean... We read the, we the the War of Jokes and Riddles Joker. I was not like a big fan of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I would love to see more and more of this one in the Rebirth well, show I th- up. I think what I like about Tom King, maybe like if you kind of like frame it as that that Joker was like an early on Joker, mm-hmm. and that he get, he comes more and more deranged. We see we saw in the DC Nation that that Joker is this Joker. Yeah, it could also be maybe a time with. That that Joker might be one of the three Jokers. They kind of swap out, and that this the, this Joker maybe isn't that same Joker. More of jokes and riddles. We won't know until we see that. But so I think we get to like explain. I think Tom King is going more with the idea that uh, the Joker becomes more deranged over time, and that yeah. he has to go like more extremes to like impress Batman or to challenge Batman. Interesting. But yeah, I like I said, I love horror movies. The Joker is. Oh. As cliche as it is, the Joker is my favorite villain. I, if they did a rated R Batman movie, this I, would be a real cool one to do. I think this would be a fucking amazing rated R animated Batman film. I wouldn't even want. I would. I'd be okay with a live action one too. I think so too. They could. I, I think they could do a real good live action one. I don't think they could. I don't think they would push an animated as far. Even when they did the Killing Joke, you don't think they'd have cut off faces and and, anim- and double little cat heads blown up. And animated, I don't know, because they they did the Dark Knight Returns, which was pretty dark. Know. They did Killing Joke, but it wasn't that dark. All they did was just basically <laughs> Batgirl, Batgirl, and into Batman a flashlight for yeah. Batman. Oh, oh. Jesus! <laughs> why? What was? Why? Uh, yeah, I like this one. I would, I would, uh, I would, I would say like a nine out of ten for this one, for me. Well, it, it's like the perfect story to me. It mm-hmm. gives me, it gives me the spooks. It like really stayed with me. So I'll give it a ten out of ten. That's part of the reason why I want us to read it and talk mm-hmm. about it. But yeah, definitely one of my all-time favorite stories. Yeah, I really love Tom King's run of Batman. Like you said, he's it's more of a he's more of a person, but Scott Snyder's Batman was really cool, especially in this because yeah, I mean, when we did the Court of Owls, when we read the Court of Owls and the other ones, it's this character that's so good at doing all these things, just naturally just the best. I mean, he like it's literally the Mary Sue, but then you get to this volume and that's just kind of all broken Pushed, down yeah. and just none of that matters anymore because the Joker, it's a Mary Sue versus Mary Sue situation. Who Who's more Mary and who's more Sue? Well, I know that some people, especially some of the Comics Play staff, have uh, some mixed feelings about Scott Snyder's Batman. But what I, I really appreciate, which some people might not like, is that I feel like Scott Snyder tried really hard to highlight different aspects of Batman, like almost mm-hmm. like made like different genres. Like The Court of Owls is almost like an action movie thriller. Yeah. Uh, the year one storyline is like basically an action movie. Like it takes place in daytime. Yeah. Uh, there's a bomb that needs to be disarmed. <laughs> and there's a bomb. <laughs> and then this is, uh, this is just horror. Yeah. It's straight up. It's cool. I like the progression of it to go from like action to suspense and thriller to just real Absolute. dark. I don't, I don't think I've ever read a Batman storyline this dark before. No. Even even the Endgame storyline, it is dark, but it's not this, like, slasher film feel. Yeah, I I mean, doing Dark Knight Returns, doing Killing Joke, nothing feels like this one where, yeah, it's just 
It's like reading a <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm-hmm. going on. With well, I'm jokes. Glad, <laughs> I'm glad you <laughs> – not great jokes. I'm glad – yeah, this was a really good pick. Um, and, yeah, so I'm glad we got to talk about this one. I'm bummed that we – Lost the audio recording for the Karnak, but that was a flaw. <laughs> that was the flaw was in me. So I hope people, you know, if they're interested, check out uh, Karnak, the Ha and all things, the flaw and all the things, ha. <laughs> the Ha and all things. Both new. <laughs> both these books were yeah super amazing, um, really good. I like how we've been kind of like alternating between DC and Marvel lately because the next one um, is a Roman pick, and I asked him to let me know what it was. He went with our next read being Doctor Strange, Doctor Doom, Triumph, and Torment. The doctors are in. The doctors are in. It's a it's a two doctor job. It's like that SNL sketch. They're collaborating with uh, Doctor Rockhard. <laughs> Please hurry, Doctor Rockhard. These demons hurt real bad. <laughs> Need some exercising. Well, I guess that's it for this. So, I mean, tune in for that next episode. And see what happens then. Goodbye. Goodbye.